You're listening to Are You Happy Business Podcast on Captivate. Hello, Are You Happy Podcasts. I'm very excited for with our guest today, Adam Canton, founder of Dudes Need Dudes. He does pretty much, I don't want to say personal life coaching because it's much more than that. Um, it's just helping people out who need it, um, specifically dudes. And the business is called Dudes Need Dudes. Um, they do group calls every other week, which are free if you want to join and see what the community is like. And then they also do individual coaching. And um, he eventually, if you're interested, offers three to four night retreats where you get into spirituality and um, just kind of get yourself in the right headspace. That's what Adam helps you do. He's been doing this for five years now. Um, it started off very naturally. He just explained to me, he just started, friends started asking him for help. And then those started, those friends started referring him to other people, um, who eventually were willing to pay him for this help. And so he did that for two years until he established a real business out of it, um, called dudes need dudes. He's been doing dudes need dudes for three years now. Um, and I guess he helps people become a little bit more, um, not enlightened, but just in tune with their themselves and become happier people. And he's done a lot of research into some old tribal traditions um, and like spirituality hundreds of years from today and seen what works and what hasn't worked. And he's capitalized on the stuff that works and he's been able to help tens, maybe hundreds now of people around the world. Um, become more spiritual. So yeah, before I get too deep into it, I would like Adam to just explain his origin story, how he got here to starting his business, dudes need dudes. Um, and I guess the more unique question is why, why just dudes and include that in the answer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. Um, the, the origin story, I would say the short version is um, I grew up in a quite conservative religious home that was not really my jam. I found out as I entered into my 20s and the the disparity between the two was a little overwhelming and caused quite a bit of uh, mental health issues, eventually leading to a, a suicide attempt in my in my early 30s. and. Uh, as I did the things that we talk about to get help, I saw counselors, I used medications and things like that. The traditional paths didn't really work for me. So I found myself on a non-traditional path at ashrams and monasteries at plant medicine journeys, doing meditation and yoga and things of that nature. And I began seeking out opportunities to uh, feel spiritual in my interactions uh, on vacation. And so I, my, my time off was spent delving into myself. As I did that, more and more of my coworkers started coming up to me and being like, hey, man, what's going on? Like, you seem happier than you should be. <laughs> you got a lot of shit going on in your life. Why, why, why aren't you sad? And, uh, so they would, we would go to coffee and we would talk about, um, working on ourselves and like, what is the story that we're telling ourselves that's 
resulting in how we're feeling right now and why are we choosing the choices that we are right now and really like digging deep into ourselves. And slowly over time, more and more people started asking me for help. More and more people started referring their friends. And then um, I was, as I'm, as I'm processing, as I'm trying to decide, like, do I make a career shift? There was a very clear kind of moment where it was like, focus on people like you, like your story is about, about you. Yes. But there are others that are in the same boat. So share your story. Um, and that was kind of like this internal message that I was feeling was just share my story and it will resound with dudes. And so that's where kind of that Genesis happened was it's not to exclude women. It's not to exclude, you know, I, I have female clients that I work with on a private basis or maybe like in a co-ed situation, but the primary emphasis is like men, um, who, we have struggles that are unique to men and sometimes we need dudes and brothers to support us in, in that. So that's where that came. Thanks for asking. Of course. Yeah. And I like that you said brothers because at times I feel like me having an older brother, even that can be like toxic experience at times because you want to yeah. live through them vicariously the same way you might live through your father and try to like do things that they do, maybe enter the fields that they do. And you think it's your own passion, but it just derives from some, I don't know. I'm not really very knowledgeable in psychology, but I just know what I'm feeling. And I know that like a lot of the times I try to impress my father or the same way I try to impress my brother or things like that. And it's definitely like a unique experience that dudes have. And so you found your niche and you found that you can help dudes the most. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, I spoke to someone that does a similar thing to you and he, he, his focus is helping people in their midlife crisis. He mm -hmm. also had a, um, a suicide attempt as well that he shared with me in that midlife experience. And he, um, created a business similar to yours as well. Um, and has a similar passion, but my question is how do we break this human experience where we work somewhere and eventually we decide that work isn't for us. And we're just have a crisis around the thirties or forties or whenever that crisis happens. Um, I'm in my early twenties now. How do I become proactive and build a life that's happy? Um, what is your perspective on that? Because I feel like it's just, it is the human experience. And like, it's a natural thing that happens to people. Basically mm -hmm. we've evolved to this point where a lot of people are having this experience. They, go to school, they get a job. And then like years later, they realize that they're extremely unhappy and it all builds yeah. up and then there's a breaking point. Um, yeah. So how do, how do, what's your advice to someone in their early twenties trying to be proactive about building a good life? From my perspective, it's going to come from more of an Eastern philosophy where we, we and kind of our Western culture are fed a list of expectations. Like you should expect that you're going to get straight A's. You should expect that you're going to get, have this happen in school. You're, you're gonna, you should expect that you're going to get a trophy for playing the sport and you should expect a lot of things. Right. And so we're, we're fed all of these expectations and that the path to happiness is through the fulfillment of those expectations. I'm going to graduate from college and have a good job and I'm going to, have a good job and have the, the amazing spouse and things of that nature. Right. 
And then if you take the Eastern philosophy perspective, it's more that these expectations are the source of unhappiness. As when we, we are constantly wanting the more, 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 we eventually in our 40s, we're like, holy shit, there is no more, right? Like I've hit the kind of the top. Like I've, I've, I make more money than I ever thought I would. I, I have the wife, I have the kids, I have the title, I have the job, but it's not fulfilling because these are somebody else's expectations that were fed to me. And so the process of like looking inward and like, what is it that I want? What is, what is it that makes me feel peaceful and fulfilled and making those conscious decisions moment by moment by moment. Like, yes, I'm okay with this right now. I'm okay that this is my life path. Like something that you said earlier, like you were doing this one thing and interviewing these one people and it was like total, like, ah, I don't want to do this. Right. But like you right now in your twenties are learning now to trust that, trust it, trust and interview those people that you want to interview. Don't go, don't interview assholes if you don't want to. Right. Like, and so that process of learning to tune into self say, you know, what brings me like serious peace. I'm not talking about like, yeah, I'm going to go party and like live it up. Like that's, you'll find that that's not the true happiness. It's that moment of connection with family and friends and loved ones and pets and nature and stuff like that, that we truly find we will feel fulfilled and seeking those opportunities over ego are you at a point where like what what position are you in now after you've discovered all of this like is there a point where even when you find you find that contentness and you're like okay i'm doing the things i want to do is it that same wall that you reach where you're like i found what i wanted to do and there's nothing more to do or are you are are you at a point where you're like content and you're like i want to just what brings me fulfillment is just being around my family and being in nature and doing all these other things. And then you're happy about it. I guess like, is there another wall that you face? Yeah. Yeah. For me, there is for that's for dudes. I'm not going to speak for women. I'm not a woman. I can't tell you what's going on in their ego. Um, But for dudes, like there's this, this inherent element of us where we're the hunter, we're the guy, you know, we're going out, we're the warrior, we're going out to do defend the tribe and that had its place for hundreds of thousands of years in our evolutionary biology right and so we still have those things where there's actually happiness and joy in the struggle if we can learn from that and so for me there's this constant struggle of self-development and looking deeper and deeper and like what is this emotion that's been triggered like my girlfriend just tells me that this guy hit on her like is this a moment for me to feel jealous is this a moment for me to feel love or fear and so those if we can take that aspect in life that there's this constant involvement there's this there is a constant struggle underlying then we can find contentment anywhere. Yeah. So it's like, in a general sense, um, you find like, is there always this, like you, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm happy. I'm doing the work that I want to be doing. And then is there like this like underlying desire from like what we've evolved to be as men to like want more and desire, just want more profit or whatever it may be. 
Um, and then like you, is there like tendencies you notice yourself like reverting back to that you're like are hard to break where you're like, I want, I want more. I want to, I want to provide more and be this hunter, hunter gatherer type person. And like, is it just, you, you notice tendencies that are toxic that still come up? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, because yes, you found this business that you really enjoy doing and you've created this business, but is there times where you question whether, whether, um, parts of what you're doing are because of like that hunter thing that you were talking about, uh, like historically wanting to provide, um, because obviously it's, you're doing what you want to do and you're like, this is the best position you could be in. Um, but there's even people out there that are like, you don't need to work at all and you can live a fulfilling life. Um, yeah. For me, it came down to an internal checking in on like, what is my, I had to go as deep as what was my life purpose. And it, it actually took quite a bit of journeying, quite a few retreats before I could feel like I had settled into a place where I, I could identify what I would call my life's purpose. And then everything was kind of built around that. And so once that building of around this life's purpose was done, then when the the shit, like having to do outside consulting and software because I, you know, the dude's business isn't doing amazing. When that sorts of things happen, then it's, it's not a shock. It doesn't bring me down into like a state of unhappiness. It's like uh, more of like a refocusing, like, Hey, here's a, here's, it's, it acts as guardrails. Like the, the shitty stuff acts as guardrails to, to now this direction of my life. See, so you found your life purpose and doesn't really bother you when things like when there's difficult things that you have to deal with in order to like fulfill this purpose of helping dudes, because this is your mission. You just have to keep reverting back to like why you're doing it. There's a lot of reverting back. Yeah. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. Like I spent like, uh, in February, early March, there's kind of like a six week, really heavy shitty time where I was like really questioning that purpose. And like the, is this what I want to be doing? And that constant returning to purpose, um, seems to be helpful for me. Do you know what position you want to be living in like 10 years from now? Um, like, have you thought about that? Do you still want the business? Do you want it? What do you want it to look like if you do? Yeah, I actually have it all sorted. Like I have this view of myself, like my beard is completely white. My hair on top is completely white. I'm sitting in a chair overlooking like a, a beautiful view and people come and sit down and we drink iced tea and maybe we smoke a joint and they tell me their world, their problems. And we, we talk through them and off they go. And that's my life is just people that need an opportunity to chat and to get something off their chest and to, to, to a little something, whatever that little something is to turn inward. Um, and not something that's like a, a long-term relationship, just like they, they come along when they need something and then off they go. That's incredible. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know what else it looks like other than that. <laughs> yeah. And you can definitely 
build that if you just had a team around you that sent these people to you wherever you were. Yeah, the team is building. It's just slower than I anticipated. Yeah. And it sounds like that that's your like a lot of the times people find a purpose in their life and then they create a business around it and then they're like not doing the part of the business that they enjoy the most, which is like helping people one-on-one is what it seems like it is for you. Yeah, it's completely that. Yeah. yeah. So like, I guess, um, if I were to like take your advice and look at you and be like, all right, as long as he's helping people one-on-one and not like just working on the business side, then he's going to stay fulfilled. Um, but it reminds me like you talking about envisioning yourself with this, like, white beard and white hair and like being on this like whatever a mountain overlooking like a nice view there's um an interview we once did for are you happy where we interviewed a guy that literally looked like that he was in india he had a white beard and um, i'm I'm gonna send it to you this dude had a white beard white hair and he was like known in this little place little village in india for just being the man on the mountain like mountain man and like we interviewed him and then people were like i know that guy like i always see him there and he like branded himself as the man on that mountain so like i don't know just i feel like that could be you in a sense um like like i just said like it just totally relates i'm gonna send that over to you but what is it that like actually brings you joy and like in those actual moments where you are helping people like is it connecting over your shared experiences or is it just helping them uncover things that have happened to them that are not good? Um, for me, it's the, the part of that experience where they, that kind of that light switch trigger happens where they are, for example, a, a, a guy that I, I work with, I love, he came through like a referral network. He is, he's, he's down on himself constantly. He's, he's, he's taking mental health medication and he's, he thinks he's a failure in life. And that through these conversations, through these tools, there's that light switch moment for him where he's like, Oh wait, I'm not an asshole. I'm like actually really cool. And that realization when people, when I just like pour on the love and like, you're fucking amazing. You are love. Like when I'm able to like get them to actually see that connection that they're, they are that thing that I'm saying that they are this beautiful light being this beautiful person that's full of love and generosity that cares for their family and wants to do what's good. That is incredibly fulfilling to me because it i've been in that light switch moment and it i know how it feels and to be able to provide that to somebody is um i think that's a that piece is in all of us like that it's inherent like humans are yes good people and so once you just find get it back in touch with that yeah. you're like wow that's still me like in the maybe it brings them to that the feeling like like to, brings them back to that child like self where like loving and they're just they feel like they're just enjoying themselves in the moment and then like there it is and then like maybe it goes away and then and then they're like oh there it is again like i love that and like save that and i want to be that and then hopefully they build personality around that and they're like they become that that childlike version of themselves 
Yeah. That's the hope. Yeah. So when you talked about that light switch moment, can that light switch moment sometimes be in the form of like some sort of anxiety attack or like where they notice maybe they uncover a part of their childhood or a part of what's happening right now. That's like rooted in maybe like issues with their father or whatever it may be. And then they're like, Oh my God, this whole time I've been doing all this for my father, like type of thing. Is, is that light switch moment ever happen where it's like, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah the, those moments are hard. That's um, part of the healing journey that we're on. Like, and the reason why facilitators and guides and people that are trained are useful because those moments inevitably come up. They come up, they come up still for me. And when those moments come, although they're incredibly hard, they're also incredibly beautiful because there's this, this deep realization that the bottom is close and they're close to bottoming out or they're at their bottom and there's nowhere to go up from nowhere to go except from up, except up, you know, um, those have to be treated very delicately. They do require lots of integration afterwards. A friend of mine that happened in journey, we were in a group journey situation and she hit something that she had forgotten about from childhood. And it's awful. It really is awful. And it can take months to work through those things. But that's, that's why you have professionals like counselors and therapists and people who know how to deeply work with this, this psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, because when I, I had my experience about a year ago, it took like two weeks. Oh, oh, like obviously, like it took months before I was like happy again. Yeah, but it took like two or three weeks before like I felt like I didn't belong in a mental hospital, and like I felt like I wasn't insane. It took like three weeks, and that's it's a scary experience. And whenever like whenever there's a time where like I'm reminded of like whenever there's a feeling that's similar to the feelings I had that those times it's a very, it's very scary. And like, I feel like I'm pretty mentally tough at this point. And like, I've gotten skills to like, I've acquired skills through my experiences to like, feel like I am strong mentally and I can conquer a lot of things that are hard to deal with. But whenever I'm reminded, whenever there's a memory that gets triggered or whenever I'm just like, basically whenever those emotions, like some even like subtly come back, um, there's a lot of fear that happens and it's like, I don't yeah. want to go back to that point. Yeah. I don't want to be at that yeah. point yet. Like that's like, that's the natural I have now. Yeah. It's just like a fear. And I don't know. It's like, what, what do you say to that? Like my fear is I don't want to revert back to that state right. of mind. Right. Yeah. Cause it's very scary. You're not going to like it. <laughs> You're not going to like what I say. Yeah. It's going to come it's back again. Yeah, it is. It's, it's natural for it to resurface the, um, uh, fuck. I wish, I wish I could remember the name of the book. The body keeps the score. Um, I can't remember. Is it Levine? Maybe Steve Levine. Uh, the whole premise is that we have these moments in our lives where we experience a trauma, a heavy thing, maybe even a really good, amazing thing. Right. And the body actually hangs on to it because as a child, that's a lot of emotion. It's too much to process. So the body actually stores it in the body somehow in, we don't know the mechanism, but in the muscles and the tissues and 
frequently, and the reason why there's these midlife crises is because those moments from childhood begin to resurface and they resurface in the form of uh, physical pain, addictions, mental issues. And so these moments that are coming up for you that are uncomfortable from whatever, right? Yeah, you're tough because you can like recognize it and see what's going on. Those will continue to come up because the body wants to process it all the way through. It wants to complete the processing that it never was allowed to complete at the time. And so that's why when I say in these journey moments, it's incredibly powerful when they hit that point, because that's the body finally saying, I'm ready to release these things. And like, maybe for you, the moment was like a bully on the playground, right? Or maybe it was much darker and worse. And unfortunately, it's the same for people. They have to feel it all the way through, regardless of how heavy it was. And the, the psychology is beginning to support that. The, the, the works that MAPS is doing with PTSD and MDMA therapy, it's, it's showing us that we need to feel those moments all the way through. Hmm. So what does MDMA do in, in those plant-based medicines? Do they make you feel those moments entirely to where they don't have to really come up again and and subtlety or can you, or do they just obviously like if I'm going to be reliving, not reliving, but just having more of those moments about like the same topics, um, throughout my life and like subtle moments, does the MDMA kind of like just bring it up? Like I don't really have to work for it to come up. It'll just come up as soon as I take the drug. No. The MDMA acts as what I would in the healing space, we call like a heart opener. So it, it allows us to be more outgoing, more vulnerable. It allows us to share more freely, right? Like there's that more euphoric feeling. And so under that situation of increased euphoria, it's more easy to process the heavy stuff. So you can look more objectively at the fact that there was this trauma that occurred to this person, this person was you, and you can look at that moment more objectively and with love because of the, the heart opening effect that the MDMA, or there's a, there's a whole suite of like natural ones that do a very similar effect, like sassafras or cacao in high concentrations. And then, so when that uncoat that like moment comes up again after your experience with MDMA, you have a new perspective on the problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you've 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 been able to hold it in a loving situation, even though it's shit. Yep. <laughs> it's, that, it's that holding of both together that gives us this fuller human experience where we we can we can be that warrior that you say you are right like you can be emotionally strong because you can see that this was a painful difficult moment and you can still kind of love it and see the growth that came out of it and stuff like that very interesting <laughs> like i don't know what to say next because i'm just thinking about my own experiences and being like how how yeah. how am I ever going to look at this in a positive light? <laughs> um, yeah, there's some that are very hard. Yeah, years it takes years to look at it that way. But yeah, I mean that's pretty awesome. 
Um, the, the biggest example for me is my stepbrother. He lives in Toronto. He was, we didn't have, he had a different stepdad and he got abused horribly. And even now today is this, we're the same age. He can tell me that he is grateful for that opportunity that he had and for the things that he learned from that asshole. And me as the outsider, I'm like, how's that possible? But it is possible somehow through feeling it all the way through. And so looking at the growth that came out of it, he's so much stronger as a human being. He's a, he's a light worker. Effectively. He, he heals people just in their hearts, just by being around him because of this experience that he had. Uh, so that's, that's the piece that people uncover is that they can, although the experience is very bad and they can just completely be negative in every way. What's positive is what you've like, how you've grown from it and like how you, you wouldn't yeah. be, the, you wouldn't be this person you are now without that negative experience. That Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. The school of life's a fucker. Yeah. <laughs> really is. Oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't ask if I was allowed to swear on this. Sir. Oh no, you are. You're fine. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, I learned a lot. I mean, I didn't think like what I learned the most out of today was that it's not like you just have one panic attack over that issue and then it's, and then it's solved. Yeah. It's like whenever that fear comes up for me, it's like, it's my body maybe wanting to experience, wanting to, uh, to work through it again, perhaps. Yeah. And so it's probably not best to push that feeling away and just kind of like sink into it and just live in it because through time you'll, it'll happen probably, yeah. probably over and over again until it's fully repeated exposure. Until you're enlightened about it, I guess, until you're completely enlightened yourself about it. Maybe objectively the way that MDMA would allow you to look at it, but maybe you can perhaps come to that enlightened objective way of looking at it without MDMA or maybe absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Um, but medicines are not uh, the medicines I would not say are necessary ever. They're for certain people, not for all people. What is the, um, like latest in terms of what is the latest news in terms of like legalizing that sort of stuff for medic medication purposes? Cause I'm not really, I haven't researched it obviously. So MDMA is going through clinical trials. There's uh, enough studies in the U.S. that uh, psilocybin is going to be going through clinical trials soon. Multiple states are decriminalizing or legalizing all plant medicines. Um, Canada, England, they're all doing research on it. It's, it's, it's a matter of time right now. Australia has even legalized it already for therapeutic psilocybin for therapeutic purposes as well. Um, it's just, it's just a matter of time before the research and the law catches up, but there'll be people that lose out in the meantime. Well, hopefully in your lifetime, you'll be able to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the next 10 years. Easy. Easy. I think the legalizing marijuana is just the opened up the floodgates, um, to, to the frustration of some legislators who might like have probably feared that this would happen and like talked about like, no, this is, 
this is just going to end up being like, if we legalize weed, then it's, we're going to start legalizing all the other stuff. And I don't want that to happen. It's like, yeah. people are probably really pissed off right now because it probably is going to happen. Um, and I'm happy it is. I mean, but yeah, it needs to be controlled. Obviously people have addictive tendencies. And there's also a safety factor. These medicines used in the wrong setting can actually be more traumatic, right? Like if you don't have the proper preparation and safety in place, you can do more harm than good for sure. And so that's kind of, I understand the government's role in trying to balance it, although I don't love it. I recognize that there's a need for that. Yeah. I guess that's the philosophy of people who argue in favor of legalizing drugs. Like people are going to probably find it and do them in their own like environments, which may not be best. So it's probably better to, legalize it and encourage people to do it in a controlled way. If their therapist or psychiatrist thinks it's like necessary for them to right. do it. Yeah. But I'm excited for what's to come. And because you're in this field, I feel like once it gets legalized, you're going to be able to leverage that and maybe hire a psychiatrist to your team who can prescribe that stuff. And then you can just soar. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I promised that we would last 30 minutes. Um, we're at 35 now because we've had a, such an incredible conversation. Um, yeah. I appreciate all the value you've been able to offer today. And like, even personally, I'm like very grateful. I think our audience will be grateful as well. Um, and for those that want to maybe hop on your uh, free dudes call every other week, um, you told me it's on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Correct. Let our audience know where they can access um, that call or potentially just yeah. reach you in any sense. Um, so, yeah, they can get a hold of me at uh, Instagram, dudes need dudes. It's dudes.need.dudes. I'm also on TikTok, dudes need dudes. Um, there, I have a Zoom link that I'll share with you so you can share with your, your viewers if you'd like. Awesome. Yeah, you can share that with me and then I'll, I'll drop that link under the show notes. But it's been incredible meeting you. Thank you so much for your time again. Thank you. Have a great day, man. You too. Bye-bye.